Welcome to Alchemy Radio, where the only thing we ask of you is that you keep an open mind. Today's guest is Michael J. Murphy. Michael is a filmmaker, political activist and president of the Coalition Against Geoengineering. His work focuses on issues that go beyond the interest of the corporate mainstream media and includes originating and co-producing the groundbreaking documentary What in the World Are They Spraying? as well as its sequel, why in the world are they spraying? As well as several other short films that address chemtrails and geoengineering and other controversial political issues. Michael, you're very welcome to Alchemy Radio. How are you? Oh, doing fantastic. Uh, thanks for covering this issue. Well, I think it's a very important issue. It's certainly one that's close to my heart and something that I see every day in the sky above me here in Ireland and indeed around the world as I go on my travels. It's, it seems to be something that... The whole world is uh, is touched by in varying degrees. So before we delve deep into the issues, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got from where you started to where you are now. Oh, wow, I have a very diverse um, background. I went to college at Arizona State University um, and uh, after that went into uh, the medical sales industry, um, was an educator for a while and then went into... Uh, journalism. I uh, moved out to Los Angeles and had an opportunity to uh, produce two um, films. Uh, the first one was What in the World Are They Spraying? And it's uh, it's an investigative documentary about the uh, chemtrail issue or scientifically the geoengineering uh, issue. That film uh, is considered uh, to be the groundbreaker in this uh, issue, and the most factual film. Um, the second film that we just released in August is Why in the World Are They Spraying? It's an award-winning film. It's won uh, four uh, awards already, and uh, literally helping to wake millions of people up uh, to this issue. Uh, the first film uh, really identified the basic ingredients of geoengineering programs and what we're finding in rain tests and uh, other uh, contaminant tests around the world, uh, but the question after we released that film was, why are they doing this? And uh, why in the world are they spraying is, is a closer look into, uh, there are many agendas associated with, with these programs, geoengineers state, uh, that geoengineering programs, uh, by putting aerosols or particles into our sky, it will actually block the sun and cool the planet. Um, we found several studies, many university studies, even NASA studies that indicate uh, temporarily, regionally, when, when the airplanes spray these particles out, uh, people note that it does cool down if it's a warm day and they start spraying, they, they block the sun. Uh, locally, it will cool that area. It'll drop about six or seven degrees. But at night, the aerosols um, act as a blanket. They trap heat, and we've seen a great increase in nighttime highs. So the question really remains. Uh, we believe this has nothing to do with uh, with cooling the planet, but it all has to do with the consolidation of both monetary and political power into the hands of a few. So why in the world are they spraying? It's, it's a focus on weather control, and geoengineers are very open that their programs uh, will offset and will um, 
affect precipitation, uh, will affect many things, and there are many damaging effects. So um, we looked at that, interviewed uh, Scott Stevens, a meteorologist, other credible scientists, and really dug deep in, into this. And we found out that, yes, um, geoengineering can be used to corporatize and completely control our weather. So that's one uh, of the main purposes of these damaging programs. But Michael, surely when I look up at the sky, a nice blue sky on a summer's day, and I see it crisscrossed with uh, various white patterns, that's just my friendly airliners going by and going about their daily business. It's, it's surely just water vapor. That's what everybody tells me anyway. Absolutely, and that's what we would want to believe. And, and there are two, two things. Um, there is a, a thing uh, called a contrail. It's short for condensation trail. Um, it's very similar to, to when we breathe in cold weather. When you breathe in cold weather, you can see your breath uh, quickly disappears. Yeah. Uh, you rarely, if ever, see a person walking down the street and you see a, a, a cloud of breath three miles behind them. It <laughs> simply does not happen. So condensation trails usually dissipate within about four to five seconds. What we're seeing on a regular basis are these long trails. They do not dissipate. They spread out and actually block the sun, and that's the stated goal of geoengineering programs. But we took it um, a step further. Uh, in the first film, we you know, reviewed uh, several tests, and since we released that, hundreds of, of rain tests um, have come in from around the world. Mm. Uh, rain's a very good indicator of atmospheric contamination, and what we're finding is the primary uh, ingredients in geoengineering programs, uh, aluminum, barium, and strontium. The rain tests that we have have increased uh, up to 50,000 percentage points in certain uh, tests, and they match. These contaminants match a number of geoengineering patterns. And then what we see in the sky, again, these long trails do not dissipate. They actually turn into clouds and block the sun is a stated goal of geoengineering. And we now have an issue which is uh, called global dimming. The Earth is receiving uh, less than 20 percent of its sun than it, it was just a couple decades ago. So the, the aerosols are there, the contaminants are there, and again, everything matches geoengineers' plans and proposals. They deny that they've started these programs, but state that they urgently want to implement them. They're actually calling for emergency geoengineering uh, to start as early as this year, believe it or not. Incredible stuff. So essentially what you're saying is the powers that be, be it governments or the UN or whoever else, are advocating a multi-billion dollar program to spray through aerosols, aluminium, barium, strontium and a load of other stuff that can't be good for us into the air. Uh, that, that's correct. And uh, they're doing now many cost-benefit uh, analysis through various corporations. Bill Gates uh, is on public record for funding the research uh, into these programs, and uh, it's not good at all. Um, the human health and ecological implications are, are just unquantifiable. In the past 10 to 15 years, uh, we've seen a great increase in, in aluminum-related illnesses. Aluminum's the number one uh, uh, metal or toxin that, that they're proposing to spray uh, into our atmosphere. Um, they stayed because it's lightweight and very reflective. It'd be a, a really effective thing to put into our sky. However, uh, free-form aluminum's very toxic. Uh, again, uh, aluminum-related illnesses such as neurological disorders, mm -hmm. Alzheimer's have really gone through the roof. 
Um, there is also a respiratory illness, which we've seen an increase around the world just in the past 10 years. We've seen respiratory uh, uh, mortality rates go from number eight down to number three in just six years. Um, so it's, uh, and barium is very toxic. Um, barium is another uh, toxin that they are spraying. And uh, barium not only... Um, uh, reduces our immune system, which will open the door for a number of other illnesses to come in. It also uh, increases our blood pressure. So I've spoken to a number of uh, emergency room physicians who are aware of this issue. And they say during heavy spray days, and those are typically the days where the sun is completely blocked out, they expect people to come in experiencing the usual symptoms, uh, headache, nausea, dry mouth, uh, irritability. Um, those types of things, uh, but also barium increases our blood pressure. So again, during those heavy spray days, they expect people to come in uh, uh, with a higher number of heart attacks and strokes during those heavy spray days. So it's a deep concern uh, for human health and what it's doing, uh, not only in the short term, but also uh, in the long term. But ecologically, this is absolutely uh, the most damaging thing that has been done to our planet. And during the, the geoengineering conferences, which we've uh, watched uh, a number of them, geoengineers are very open about how damaging these programs are. And uh, one of the things that they state, geoengineering, anytime you put an aerosol into the sky, it will decimate, it will destroy our ozone layer. And uh, we now have a huge hole in our ozone. And a number of people are uh, experiencing uh, and noting that they're burning much quicker in the sun. Yeah. Uh, we also see what's very typical. We see uh, plants which are actually burned. They're singed. And that appears to be a result of uh, our ozone um, being decimated uh, again. So uh, I'll be real blunt about this. No uh, ozone layer, no life on the planet. That's how serious this is. But um, what really got us started into this issue um, and the scientists um, who we've interviewed and have been providing us data, they noticed up in Northern California that the trees were not growing and, and plants were dying. So mm -hmm. they started to, to do tests. And uh, one of the uh, biologists who we're working with is Francis Mangles, and he started doing pH tests to the soil. And what he found was really shocking. He found that the soil, which is typically uh, acidic, had been going to alkaline. And we're talking about very significant changes. Uh, the soil had been changing anywhere between 10 to 20 times the normal alkalinity. So basic science tells us the plants that require an acidic soil will die, um, exactly what's happening. So um, we are not only seeing ecosystem collapse in that area, and that appears to be the highest sprayed area, but we're also seeing it uh, around the world. Um, many forests are now collapsing, and uh, a lot of organic farmers are having a difficult time growing. But these scientists started to, again, do uh, other tests, uh, rain tests, and what they found uh, were, again, the primary ingredients in geoengineering programs, aluminum, barium, and strontium, which is just very toxic to plant life. A lot of plants actually have a, uh, have a root system that will shut down when bioavailable uh, aluminum is introduced to that. Um, what we did find and why in the world are they spraying, uh, these programs benefit um, uh, a few individuals. Uh, they're a very effective way to consolidate uh, monetary and political power into the hands of a few, literally at the expense of every living thing 
uh, on the planet. So it's uh, it's very concerning the ecological damage that um, it's doing. And geoengineers acknowledge some of the effects, but they state we must do this because we have uh, a global warming uh, issue that is supposedly out of control. If we don't do this, this entire planet uh, will die. Um, so we are going to put these particles into the sky. It's going to affect every living thing. If we don't do it, everything's going to die. And, and it really is not about saving the planet. It's about money and power. And so much of what goes on seems to be about money and power to the detriment of the health of people or to our natural balance and ecosystem. And some of the critics of, um, I suppose, of, of the research that has been done into chemtrails and geoengineering over the last 10 or 15 years would point to, uh, p- point to the research and suggesting that possibly some of the research done might be contaminated. However, from any of my own personal research, and certainly from watching the documentaries that you've made, Michael, it appears irrefutable. One, one, I suppose, particular experiment or area that springs to mind is Mount Shasta and the work that was done there. And the sheer quantities of aluminium, barium, strontium and a number of other toxic elements and metals, it's not something that can possibly occur naturally in nature without some kind of human intervention. Well, actually, those substances are in our soils. Um, and they should be in our soils, but not aluminum in its free form. Mm. And uh, what what the critics had said, they said, well, your tests are contaminated uh, with, uh, with soil, with dust from the soil, and that's where these aluminum amounts have been coming. And we spoke to a number of uh, biologists, hydrologists, who clearly stated aluminum, these levels, should not be in the rain at all. We should see very, very little and again, we've seen these levels increase at 50,000 percentage points. So again, aluminum, barium, strontium should be in our soil. Zero should be in our rain. And uh, again, we've seen numbers as high as 50,000 parts per billion of aluminum. And what was interesting, we continued to do the tests. And, and the biologists and the scientists that continued to do the tests found something that was uh, really remarkable. They found tests that had zero aluminum but very high levels of barium and strontium. Uh, and that really uh, took the wind out of the sails of these uh, chemtrail deniers, the people mm. who are probably working for the corporate interests. Um, and again, we'll discuss how much money and how much power can be obtained through this. But uh, again, so if there was dust um, coming up into our samples, there should be aluminum, barium, and strontium uh, in no way would there be zero aluminum and very high levels of barium and strontium. So they've been very, very quiet, have not been able uh, to address that uh, issue. That's very, very interesting and telling in itself. Sometimes silence speaks the most volumes, I find, especially when it comes to uh, to, to hidden truths, really, you know. Um, but you've touched on control there and money and power and I think it's a good time to maybe delve into that because there will be a lot of people listening who will look up in the skies and they'll see there's something going on. They mightn't have necessarily known what it is but they'll certainly have a lot of light shed on them not just by listening today but by viewing the documentaries and the information that's out there. But let's talk about why people might be doing it because the latest documentary is why in the world are they spraying and you've gone into it in massive massive depth and for me the information that you've presented is irrefutable so let's talk about it because there are a number of issues at stake here i mean from food control to military uses to weather derivatives and stock markets and everything like that there is a hell of a lot going on michael 
there's there's quite a bit going on. And I want to encourage people to go to our website, which is whyintheworldaretheyspraying.com. Uh, we encourage everybody who orders uh, a DVD to make copies and hand out for free, and it's a very effective way to reach out to your community. But what we're finding, again, uh, geoengineers are proposing spraying 10 to 20 million tons of toxic aluminum uh, into our skies, again, for the state of gold cooling our planet. And, and the reason for aluminum, which again is devastating to, to all life uh, on the planet, is because it's very lightweight uh, and it's highly reflective. And, and those are true about its properties. What we found after talking to uh, a number of military people and also uh, meteorologist Scott Stevens, who is a weatherman for over 20 years on on the mainstream media, mm. aluminum is also a very effective conductor. And what we noticed about 500 to 1,000 miles ahead of a storm, we noticed this this heavy aerosol spraying. And then a couple days, within a day or two, we'd see these big storms come in. What we found that by spraying the aluminum into our sky, it's uh, again, it's a conductor, and they have the ability to heat it up through a HARC uh, system, which is an ionospheric heater, or through microwave technology. So it would be really similar to putting like a cup of coffee into your microwave uh, and it would actually heat that up. And, and when our atmosphere heats, it actually creates a, a, a rise. And when it rises, it creates a low-pressure vacuum and enables these corporations to literally steer storms into certain regions or in the case of last summer in the U.S., out of certain regions. And other properties of, of aerosols, they have the ability to, to collect moisture and build clouds, and they have the ability to literally dissipate and uh, seed uh, clouds so that moisture um, will not fall and that a storm will fall apart. So we noticed that the properties uh, of the aerosols and geoengineering programs, how they could be related to controlling the weather. Um, but we also found the history uh, of weather control, and, and weather control was probably perfected um, right around the Vietnam War back in the 60s. The U.S. government actually used it uh, in warfare. They actually uh, used it in a project called Project Popeye where they uh, literally flooded out the, the Vietnamese main supply line. It was the Ho Chi Minh Trail. Um, so it, it has been used for, for a number of years and was probably perfected due to the damage now, of these programs, there was actually a, a UN treaty, and it was uh, back in, I think, 72 or 73, mm. and it was called the NMOD Treaty. And uh, that treaty bans uh, the use of weather control or weather warfare in wartime applications. And while the treaty looks really good and really effective, uh, there was one loophole that they put into it, and, and the loophole is this you can actually use uh, this technology over your own territory. So after uh, talking to Nick Baggage and, again, meteorologist Scott Stevens, weather control um, can be used. You can actually seed parts of the sky, manipulate weather over the U.S., and have it literally affect uh, weather systems thousands of miles away. So uh, going back to the treaty, when, when you manipulate weather over the U.S., it doesn't get to the U.S. border and say, hey, you know, we can't go any further. There's, there's a treaty. It fails to recognize that. And mm -hmm. that's one way that legally they're getting away with these damaging programs and using the weather warfare technology. So technically we're looking at a weather weapon, which, let's face it, is possibly the most covert kind of weapon you could imagine because the vast majority of people out there are not going to look at a storm and they're going to think, oh, well, this is uh, 
this is an act of war and an act of aggression that other people have put in chain. They're going to look at it and think it's an act of God. That's, that's correct. It, weather is the perfect weapon because you can blame it on God. You can blame it on nature. And, of course, we're seeing adverse weather conditions all around the world. Um, and, again, geoengineering affects our weather. It not only affects our weather, it literally impacts every weather system, every pressure system, and changes really the entire circulatory system uh, of our atmosphere. But, yeah, it, it has been used in in warfare applications. We covered a document called Owning the Weather in 2025. That's an expressed interest of the U.S. government. And in that document, it really uh, addresses the, the reason for controlling the weather, and it outlines... Um, the uses in warfare applications, and the idea is really to use weather to disable an enemy. I mean, you can you can have a, a war, create a drought uh, in a country, and really bring that country down to its knees without even shooting a bullet. And you don't have to use the propaganda to get a, a country to support your war efforts. Again, you you just blame it on God. So the idea is to to literally create battlefield uh, situations that are advantageous. And I remember back in the Iraq War when, uh, when the U.S. military went in and invaded Iraq, somebody had told me, they said, you know, there, there are these huge sandstorms that are crippling the, the Iraqis. And they said, God must really be behind the U.S. The U.S. must be doing something great. And during that time, I was unaware of, uh, of weather control. And I said, wow, you know, God is really on the side of, uh, of the U.S. military now. You know, we're we're pretty sure it was uh, it was uh, weather control. It was these programs that were impacting them. But the U.S. military does have all weather uh, aircraft that can fly in any weather system. So uh, again, they create weather systems where where the uh, uh, the other countries are not able to to get off of the ground. And and that has been really an interest of militaries around the globe for a number of years. And it's probably worth noting and pointing out at this stage, Michael, that this isn't conspiracy theory. It's scientific fact. The patents are out there. I mean, this has been in the public domain for decades at this stage. The technology does exist to manipulate the weather in exactly the way that you've spoken. And there is no doubt that it is going on now. And people, of course, can look at U.S. military patents, private patents, NASA patents. They're all there and filed in particular in the U.S. with the U.S. Patents Office. It's not just speculation. It's not speculation at, at all, and again, they've been talking about this for, for several decades. Now they're just bringing this out to the public, so geoengineers are selling this to the public as something that will be very damaging. They don't want to do, but they might have to do to save the planet. Mm. Uh, and again, it's, uh, this is not about saving the planet. This is about money and power. And one of the areas that, that really shocked me was uh, finding the fact that weather is actually being traded on, on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. And I'm going to say it again because my jaw literally dropped when I heard it. Weather is traded on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. So in why in the world are they spraying? I actually flew out to Chicago and I interviewed a trader who was really familiar with weather derivatives. And, and he explained that there's certain corporations that would be interested in these derivatives. And he, he spoke about energy companies. And let's say you're, you're a gas company that requires X amount of days to be below 30 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. Mm. And uh, it's a particularly warm winter like they're having again around the U.S. 
um, last winter and this winter, um, a company will purchase these derivatives to essentially offset the risk with adverse weather conditions. Um, he used an example of a seed company, and he used a, a seed company that has $5 million worth of crop in the Midwest, and he said if, if there's a drought like they had last summer, but the seed company purchased $10 million in derivatives, they actually make money when the crop fails. So we're not saying that every person involved in weather derivatives is behind weather control, but there are certain individuals, certain multinational corporations that are aware of the weather agenda, and the people who have the playbook and have the ability to bet on that playbook cannot lose, and that's exactly what's happening. So um, right now, uh, last summer, right after we released the film or during the time that we released the film, there was this huge drought in the U.S. and the Midwest was really affected. Uh, what was interesting, during that time, I had a number of people on the West Coast in California stating that there were no visible trails and they think that geoengineering had stopped. Okay. They said, you can rest now. You can... Uh, your work is complete. And uh, we started looking at satellite with uh, Scott Stevens, meteorologist and, and uh, other uh, atmospheric scientists. What we noticed was off of the West Coast, in the Pacific, from the equator all the way up to Alaska, it was completely covered with aerosols. This uh, actually created the drought, a couple of reasons. In order for, for clouds to form, um, sunshine hits the ocean, evaporation occurs, and, and clouds build. Um, but the fact that the sun was blocked, we didn't get the proper amount of uh, evaporation. And geoengineers explained that uh, their programs will uh, affect clouds in the way that they develop because they act as what's called cloud condensation nuclei. And when you put certain particulates in, into the atmosphere, instead of uh, moisture evaporating and the water molecules uh, attracting to each other, they actually uh, attach on to this uh, metal particulate. So instead of rain condensing and falling as rain, it drifts. So that's one of the reasons why we're seeing droughts in certain areas and then floods in other areas because it eventually has to fall. Um, and this summer absolutely was an engineered drought. Uh, certain corporations, again, made a tremendous amount of money, but being, again, the fact that the sun was blocked out, uh, we didn't get, get the moisture development that should have occurred. Now, I did have the opportunity right after we finished editing Why in the World Are They Spraying to, uh, to go to the Midwest where they were experiencing this main drought, and that's really where they grow uh, a large percentage uh, of our corn. Yeah. Uh, what I, we had a couple of uh, storms that, that were predicted, and, and during that time I, I went out, as I did as a child, and, and watched these storms develop, and, and I saw these huge thunderheads develop, and then boom, the flights would come back and forth, back and forth, literally seeding uh, the, the storm. And within about a half an hour to 40 minutes, the storm would be what meteorologists called iced out. It would literally... Uh, fall apart, and uh, that moisture would drift. Now, uh, we had a drought here because that moisture drifted. Now, what we did have were major uh, floods over in Europe, and that's exactly what these programs will do. They displace rain uh, and literally affect where rain falls and where it doesn't. Wow, and it's almost indiscriminate in, in that sense because, as you say, nature is not going to abide by any treaties or borders. So if they're 
preventing the rain from falling over the US, it has to fall somewhere else. And if it's over a landmass, so be it in the eyes of the people who are actually doing this. That's that's right. And, and the, you know, the one thing that, that really broke my heart, I, I started looking at how, how this is affecting people. We now have, because of that drought, a global food crisis. Mm. So I started looking at rates of, of starving children, and uh, it just breaks my heart because during the time of this interview, 1,000 children in usually underdeveloped countries will die of starvation. So we have over 24 thousand children every day that die due to starvation. These programs absolutely are diminishing uh, our food supply. But uh, what we found were uh, companies that benefit um, through uh, food crises and through these types of disasters, again, at the expense of everything on the planet. And one company that always comes to the fore when we talk about things like this is Monsanto. They're obviously one of the obvious ones because they're such advocates of GMO. And for example, if a problem develops such as a parasite or let's say aluminium in the soil, elevated levels of it, well, Monsanto always seem to be at the fore and they'll have some kind of a seed or some kind of a GMO that is resistant to that parasite or to that level of aluminium or whatever it might be. And the money trail is always very telling if we follow it. And when you did follow, follow the money trail when it came to geoengineering and cloud seeding and chemtrails, etc., it landed firmly in the laps of the big global conglomerates and food was no exception. Uh, food is actually, everybody is dependent on food. So Monsatan uh, absolutely benefits from these programs. And what we... Uh, we noticed, uh, I lived uh, part-time on Maui on an organic farm, and we interviewed several farmers, not only in Maui, but, but around the world, um, many, if not all, who are seeing uh, decline in their ability to get yields. Uh, the two farmers that we interviewed for Why in the World Are They Spraying, one has seen a 60% decline in their ability to, to get organic yields. The other has seen a 70% decline in a 10-year period. Um, what we had the opportunity to do, we interviewed uh, Barb Peterson, and she uh, runs a website called Farm Wars, mm -hmm. and she alerted us to an issue called abiotic stress, and we've seen an incredible increase on crop loss due to abiotic stress, and the EPA or USDA is uh, estimating by, by the year 2030 that we will see a 50% more increase in uh, crop reduction due to abiotic stress. What is abiotic stress? Well, it's really everything that chemtrail geoengineering programs create. It's uh, uh, drought conditions, too much moisture, it's heavy metal contamination of our soils, and it, uh, it's fungal overgrowth. And, and being the fact that uh, geoengineering programs block out our, out our sun, we do have more fungus that is growing. What we found was there's a company who addresses this, uh, Monsanto, has a stress-resistant, abiotic stress-resistant patent on a seed, and it's in everything from apples to zucchini. So through the destruction of our ability to grow our own natural food, Monsanto comes in and they gain power. And what really gave me the revelation was when I live in Maui, a number of people on, on, on our farm grow most, if not all, of their own food. And they have the ability to literally live off of nature. Well, Monsanto and other corporations do not benefit from this. So uh, essentially we're dependent on natural rain, um, natural seeds, and sunshine. Uh, and those are, we're losing our ability, again, to live off of nature. So 
This is uh, something that's, again, addressed in just about every major religion, and they talk about this big uh, conglomerate, this this big system that wants to be worshipped. And uh, what we found was, by destroying nature, by destroying God's creation, they literally come in with the solution, and that solution is genetic modification. And when they genetically modify a product, they literally usurp the authority of nature uh, or the authority of God, and they bring it under corporate authority so these entities can literally have God-like power. When you control the weather, you have God-like power because you can control every food supply. When every food supply is controlled, being that every living thing is dependent on that, uh, you literally become and have the power of God. And that's where we're moving, and that's why it's so important. This is an attack on life. It is, again, the corporate government conglomerate, which I call the beast, that wants to be the source of life. And when nature is the source of life, again, this system cannot flourish. So they're destroying nature. And in doing so, again, they become the source of life. And it's classic Hegelian dialectic. So the people who present us or create a problem then offer the solution. And because people are up in arms about the initial problem, they willingly accept it. And it's almost like that uh, this playing God, it's a macrocosm of so many things that are going on in people's everyday lives, be it taxes or financial stresses or that kind of thing. This is it on... I suppose the ultimate scale, because as you said, if you've got control of the weather supply, you can control everything below it. And it's scary, to be quite frank, Michael. And it's something that I think really needs to be brought out into the mainstream. Yet, if you look, for example, on Wikipedia, um, for that, that great source that everybody uses almost as fact, <laughs> Wikipedia will, of course, deny chemtrails and they'll make out that it's some ridiculous conspiracy theory in the face of the facts that are being increasingly presented through documentaries such as yours and so many other researchers. So what is it that we can do about this? Because we know what's going on. We can see it every day. And once we educate ourselves, we can figure out exactly what it is that's going on. But um, a lot of people I know will feel powerless and it's something that really, really gets to me. I mean, for example, we don't get too many clear days in Ireland here, but on the rare occasions that we do, when I just see the sky crisscrossed and increasingly so, the last year has been immense in terms of how it's been ramped up, crisscrossed nonstop and a blue sky becomes a white, murky kind of a, I don't know, a heavy metal soup almost with the sun, a mere afterthought in there behind. I look at that and I think, well, what can I do against this or what can I do to empower myself? Surely there must be solutions. Well, well, there absolutely is. And the, and the greatest deception is that we are powerless in that this system is more powerful. And you had mentioned Wikipedia <clears throat> and uh, other sources that deny that these programs exist. Mm. And they do that because they're fearful. They're fearful of people knowing the truth. They're fearful of people accessing a point of power. And uh, first, I think knowledge. Knowledge is power. When you become empowered with knowledge, then you have the ability to go out into your communities and wake people up. And Maui has, has is a smaller island. It, it has a small population, but we use Maui as, uh, as really a testing ground for what can be done. And uh, I passed out literally thousands of DVDs. We hosted screenings several screenings uh, of both of, of the films. In doing so, the public became not only aware but very concerned, started taking action. And uh, because we had critical mass, we had most of the public who's aware of this, the local politicians at the county level started uh, addressing this. When you have 
uh, critical mass po political officials have to address this. And because of that, we now have in the draft an ordinance which will uh, ban geoengineering programs on and around the county of Maui. So that's just one example. But right now, because uh, the evening news, the, the mainstream media, who is funded largely by a number of corporations that benefit from these programs, they're not covering this issue in an accurate way. So it really is time for us to take our power back to address this, to become the news, to become the media. Uh, why in the world are they spraying has become just an incredible tool for waking people up. Everything is well documented and people that we interviewed are very well credentialed. Um, so again, we encourage people to, uh, to uh, get a DVD. Um, the people who order a DVD, we encourage them to make copies and hand out for free so you can get a DVD at whyintheworldaretheyspraying.com. If you simply can't afford it, um, we do have it available uh, on YouTube. Please send this out to your email address. Please send uh, the film uh, to your Facebook. But remember also uh, supporting our work by ordering a DVD brings uh, um, resources uh, into our camps so we can utilize more of our time to, to address this and get this out into the public. But we do encourage people, please, get this message out. Use the film uh, as a tool in whatever capacity you can. Fantastic. And since you began this journey, Michael, have you noticed that people are far more receptive or open to what it is you're talking about? Because I know certainly um, in, in, in my short time doing this radio show we're at it about six months now even in that six month period and without getting spiritual or uh, theological about it there it seems to be some kind of an awakening or at least people are more receptive to alternative views and alternative media despite the fact that the control system seem to be ramping things up through censorship or propaganda or whatever it might be is that your experience of things Oh, with, without question, the uh, the amount of awakening is exponential. We have literally millions and millions of people who are now aware of this issue. But I think it's through the deception and through the censorship, people are beginning to question. They're beginning to see uh, what's going on. This is an issue that has to be addressed. Um, it literally is the single greatest threat to all life on our planet. So our survival literally depends on us addressing this and getting these programs stopped and restoring our fragile planet. But absolutely, there is a mass uh, awakening that's occurring. And that's got to be a good thing. One question that I uh, wanted to ask you that I've often wondered is with regard to whistleblowers, I would assume that there are pilots on at least some of these planes that we see all the time, yet we don't seem to have any whistleblowers. I mean, could these be commercial jets, as so many people claim, that just have their fuel changed? Or... Who's actually flying these planes, or what's going on there in terms of that? Well, without question, there's, there's military involvement. A number of the planes through uh, plane identifiers are unidentified, meaning that they are part of, of the military. There are patents. One is um, that we refer to often is called the Wellsbach patent, and that was a device designed literally to spray aluminum oxide and other particles out of airplanes, um, for the purpose of, of geoengineering. So without question, you know, this is military. There has been speculation that there has been, you know, commercial airlines involved. We're not sure about that. You know, that's something mm. that we're going to look into in the next film, uh, which will be titled Who in the World is Spraying? And we're going to really dig into the corporations that are involved with this and, and connect more dots. 
Well, the word corporations in itself is very interesting because a lot of what we're seeing in the US um, is amounts to a corporate land grab in a lot of cases because, for example, if you talk about droughts or flooding or adverse weather conditions that force a lot of landowners off the land, it seems to be the big corporations or the government or people like George Soros um, perish the thought, who are buying up all of this land and we really are seeing a massive yeah. land shift, which of course is a power shift as well. So um, that, that, that presumably is by design and that presumably is why this agenda has been pushed so dramatically over the last number of years in particular, because I, I really feel that um, the godlike activities of the people who are responsible for geoengineering they're tying in with something bigger. It's not just about the weather and it's not just about food. It's all these different elements. You've got the military and you've got the financial system. And I think they're all tied in together. And this this seems to be their trump card because they've tried so many different softly, softly approaches down through the the last few decades and even beyond that over hundreds of years, which haven't really worked. But this is a biggie. It, it is. In, in Agenda 21, which is the UN's 21st century uh, agenda, mm. uh, has a couple of goals, and that, those goals are cont- to control all land and all water and all natural systems. So by, uh, by cutting off water, creating droughts in certain areas, the UN comes in, oh, you know, being that uh, the, these waterways are, are in drought conditions, we have to control this so certain people don't take too much of it. That's what's going on. But, yeah, you had mentioned George Soros. And, and when we have droughts, which uh, we typically now have in the U.S., uh, in the Midwest, um, about a year and a half ago, we had intense uh, flooding that occurred right after the planting season. And uh, Agenda 21 was achieved through, through this because a lot of farmers, because they were flooded out literally, had to go out of business. The ones that stayed in business went to uh, genetically modified seeds, but a number of them went belly up. And the ones that did uh, actually ended up selling their farmland to George Soros at pennies on the dollar. So it's a very effective way to get people off of land, uh, pushed into cities. And uh, again, that's the goal of Agenda 21. It's complete control um, for people. They do not want people to live free, and they do not want people living off of the land and off of nature. So that's one of the, uh, the goals. And again, Agenda Agenda 21 is something that's been out there in the public domain for over 20 years now at this stage and is not mere conspiracy theory. And I keep coming back to that because whenever I discuss, well, not whenever, but uh, quite often when I discuss these topics with, say, my friends or contemporaries or people around me, some of the doubters will come back with stuff like, oh, well, that is conspiracy theory or that's ridiculous. It can't be so. But when you actually examine and look at the information and look at what something like Agenda 21, which is often presented to communities on a, a micro level as being sustainable development, something this, this Orwellian rhetoric that sounds good and sounds like it's beneficial and should be good for us. When you scratch below the surface and figure out what it actually is and go right to the top of the tree or the pyramid, you can discover there's something far more sinister at work. And the chemtrails are really the most visible sign of that for me because we can see it every single day of the week. I mean, there's rarely, certainly in Ireland, there's rarely a break. I know it's the same in the UK. And I was going to say throughout the Western world, but in my experience, it's almost everywhere that I've been. It, it is, and again, geoengineers want to completely block out our sun in all regions. 
in in all areas. They they want to literally spray this, and uh, I think we do have spraying in in most areas. There are a couple areas in Africa which have not reported visible trails, but I think it's important to note the spraying in uh, over the western uh, area and over Europe does affect Africa, and they do have the ability to create droughts over there. And I believe that's why we've been seeing droughts in Africa and Asia. And as a matter of fact, geoengineers are stating when we start these programs, there will be droughts in Africa and Asia. Exactly what's happening. Shocking, really. And you mentioned, of course, the uh, the desire to be able to control the weather by 2025. Do you think that's an accurate timescale or have they really ramped things up so much that they almost have control of it now at this stage? Weatherman Scott Siemens believes that all of our weather is, is manipulated now. He believes that none of it is natural. And, and after my research, I, I can identify with that. The aerosols that are in our sky without question affect weather systems. Any scientist, any atmospheric scientist will uh, confirm that. So uh, being the case that we do have a significant more, according to NOAA, uh, significant more uh, atmospheric aerosol pollution than we did just uh, a decade ago, uh, yes, that will affect uh, our weather without question. And presumably something that people can look out for if they want to start looking out for stuff like this themselves is uh, weather patterns or the lack thereof because the anomaly seems to become the norm when it comes to weather. I mean, I know certainly from living in Ireland, we've had one of the mildest winters that I can ever remember and indeed on record. Um, yet, for example, in the middle of March or April, we seem to get unseasonably cold weather and it will disappear almost as quickly as it comes. You could have one really warm day, one really cold day, and the differences seem to be almost unprecedented. That can't be natural, can it? No, well, you know, we had... Uh in, in the winter last year in Minnesota, we had temperatures in the 90s. Some of the, the highs broke the record by over 30 degrees. So wow. we have extremely high temps one day, and then uh, it'll be snowing the next. So, yeah, the fluctuations. And, and when you push and pull the climate, as they are doing so frequently, you will get the offset of weather patterns. And that literally affects everything because the balance of nature is not there. So... Uh, for instance, you know, uh, animals that are dependent on certain berries, you know, in the springtime when those berries do not come, um, it can kill off uh, that species or, you know, lead them in, into other regions. So it's literally creating, again, imbalances not everywhere. And these programs are anti-life. Uh, they, uh, the corporations do not flourish when nature flourishes. They only flourish when they come in with the solution, which you had mentioned, the Hegelian dialectic problem reaction solution. Uh, so that is what we're looking at. Um, and it, again, it's the greatest crime uh, against nature and humanity. But we have the power, we have the ability to stop these programs. And we have to do one simple thing, that is stand up and speak the truth. Um, a lot of people advocate, or some people, you know, advocate violence. And, and I don't advocate that because the people um, that are doing this have far greater power in that arena. Um, yeah. Where we outmatch them is the power of truth, the power of the spoken word. And they are so afraid of that. And that is why they spend millions of dollars to deceive. That is why uh, they are putting plants, people to try and persuade uh, people to, to believe that this is quote-unquote conspiracy theory because they're afraid of people waking up and taking action. 
So where do you see things going? Obviously, you've mentioned the third film and it's in production at the moment. So that's who in the world are spraying. But where yeah. where do you think over the next, I suppose, short term and medium term, Michael, this is going to take us? Are we looking at an endgame scenario now or do you think that people are waking up quickly enough and arming themselves with knowledge and authentic truth to actually put a stop to this? Or are you positive or negative? What's the outlook for you personally? We will put a stop to these programs. The question is not if, it is it is when. And in that uh, the answer to that question remains in each and every person who is listening to this, each and every person who has, who has seen our films, each and every person who is aware of this issue. Um, if we do not do this, there will not be a future for our children. There will not be a planet. That is how serious this is. And the planet cannot sustain much more spraying. That is how much it is decimated. That is how much our ozone is destroyed. So, uh, again, we have the ability to stop this. Uh, we have to do one simple thing, that is stand up and speak. And in doing so, we will get these programs stopped immediately. And it's happening. So I'm very, very optimistic uh, about this. We have a crisis uh, right now. And, and we, uh, but I also think we have probably the greatest opportunity in the history of the world. While we have the greatest problem, we also have the greatest opportunity because we have this, this system which has been in development for hundreds, if not thousands uh, of years. And uh, because of that, we now have an issue which we must face. Mm. And because of that, we do have the ability to take our power back and to restore our fragile planet. So I'm very optimistic. Well, that's uh, fantastic. I share your outlook on it as well. Give us the websites again, Michael, before you go so that people can check out the movies. Thank you. It's uh, whyintheworldarethespraying.com and uh, you can find all the information there. And uh, please get, get educated, get aware, uh, become aware of this issue and take action. Well, we'll get them up on the website as well. I have the power, you have the power, we have the power. Michael J. Murphy, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking you today, to you today on Alchemy Radio. Uh, keep up the great work and we'll be closely monitoring your progress until we speak again. Thank you once again. Oh, thank you so much and uh, have a great day. Thanks for covering this. Alchemy Radio. Alchemy Radio. Alchemy Radio. To the traditional sounds of the drain of lawnmowers, the smack of leather and willow has been added a new noise. What were the skies like when you were young? They went on forever. When I, we lived in Arizona, and the skies always had little fluffy clouds in them, and uh, they were long and clear. There were lots of stars at night. And uh, when it would rain, it it, they were beautiful, the most beautiful skies, as a matter of fact. Uh, the sunsets were purple and red and yellow and on fire. The clouds would catch the colors everywhere. That's in me, because I used to look at them all the time when I was little. You don't see that.
and uh, when it would rain, it would all turn. It, they were beautiful, the most beautiful skies, as a matter of fact. Uh, the sunsets were purple and red and yellow and on fire, and the clouds would catch the colors everywhere. That's it, neat, because I used to look at them all the time. You don't see that in clouds. Alchemy Radio. Hello. 